Aren't you thankful today for the love of God? How marvelous, how wonderful. Uh, I'd invite our children to come forward one more time. I want to talk to them about something. Kids, if you want to come up here, um, I'm going to teach you everything that I've taught the adults the last three weeks, but I'm going to teach it to you in about four minutes. Um, That's why we go to preaching school. We learn how to say a little bit in a long time. Yeah, you guys, you guys stand there. I'll, I'll stand on this side. They know what I look like. So, have you guys ever heard of a guy named Amos in the Bible? Okay, well, his book is right here. You see it? Amos, right? You th- I know you guys asked this in kids' church. Do you think Amos is in the Old or the New Testament? Jesus is not alive. Okay, yep, it's old. Good job. Three for three. Good job, guys. So essentially, Amos is a prophet. Do you know what that means? What does that mean? You know? It does mean something. This is true. Half a point for you. So a prophet is just somebody that God comes to and says, hey, here's a message. Go tell them. And so then you would become the prophet, and you would go and you would tell them. So God came to Amos, and he said, all those people out there, they're being bad. They're just being bad. And I'm done with it. And Amos said, God, I love those people. Give them another chance. And you know what God did? He gave them another chance. Because God is full of mercy and grace. Well, I want to ask you something. Have you ever gotten in trouble? Um, I got in trouble like 300 million times. 300 million times. A thousand times, okay. Parents, you're nodding your head, so I think that's somewhere about accurate. 300 million. Um, Sam, have you ever gotten in trouble? Okay, just twice. Good, good. Well, did, did you know... Okay, quick, 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 quick. You're in trouble now. <laughs> 300 million and one. So, so when you get in trouble... Isn't it terrible when you know you did wrong? So when is a time that you got in trouble and you just knew that you messed up and you were wrong? Do you want to share? Okay. Coloring on the wall. Was it in the car or in the house? Because I've seen... Yeah, and on the car, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that car is now more valuable with your artwork in it. So, so when your parents were getting on to you about it, did you know that you did it? No. <laughs> did you try to deny it? it yeah, it, yeah. It was Adam, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Taylor. That's a great example. We like to point the blame, don't we? It wasn't me. It was the younger sibling. I'm old and wise, right? You, you, you wouldn't do such a thing. I don't know. He's in the nursery, duh. Oh, he's in the nursery. Okay, so have you? It, it's kind of hard when you're getting in trouble and you know you did it, right? Yeah. The whole book of Amos is God telling the people that they've messed up. And God make it up. God didn't just make it up. They actually were in trouble. Like, they had done bad things. And so... The people didn't really want to hear it. You don't want to hear it when you're in trouble, right? You're just like, yeah, I know, I did wrong. Just punish me and and we'll be done. 
Well, this whole entire book is all about the people being in trouble with God. But today, you guys get to join us for the very end of the book. You know what happens at the end? You think there's a happy ending? Oh, no. Well, there is somewhat of a happy ending. I'm gonna, we're going to go ahead and spoil it for the adults. You know what happens in the, at the end? There's, there's good news. And you know what the good news is? You, you got in trouble... But what happens when you get in trouble? Do you get another chance? No. Well, sometimes you don't, right? You get whatever it is taken away. But you're still here, so that means your parents have given you another chance, right? No. <laughs> so the whole book is all about them getting in trouble, and then God looks at them and says, you get another chance, and you get another chance, and you get another chance. So next time you're in trouble, listen to everything your parents have to say, and then I want you to ask them, do I get another chance? And if they say no, say, Mom, you need to be more like God. <laughs> yeah. Just remember, I don't have kids, so I don't know how this works. So, I want you to listen. As I do have chickens, yeah. They get in trouble sometimes. But... I want you to listen as I talk more about Amos today and listen for the good news, okay? There's good news in what we're going to hear today. Well, thank you guys for, for being an example and uh, coming up here. Good job with Amos being in the Old Testament. You can go sit down and uh, listen for the good news today. Well, if you haven't been with us, um, we've been through the entire book of Amos this month, and today we're going to finish with chapters 8 and 9. We're in chapter 7, and in chapter 7 we find out that well, that God has called Amos, and Amos used to be a shepherd. A lot of people that God calls were shepherds, and then he also tended to, to sycamore figs. Not really crazy jobs, but the text kind of alludes to the fact that it probably paid him all right. He was good. He didn't go into it for the money. Well, that was all we get about Amos, and so then we looked at chapters 1, 2, and 3, and chapters 1 and 2 are these kind of like poems of God saying, for three sins of blank and for four, and he's getting on to the people, right? Are we nodding? Do we remember this? We've only gone a, a handful of times. Okay, we're, we're still tracking. Good, good. And then, and then in chapter three, we, we learned that the people were just flat out spoiled. They were using any means necessary to distract themselves of what God was calling them to do. They, they were so distracted, they didn't see the hurt and the pain in the world that needed their attention. Then last week, we talked about an overarching theme that happens in, in chapters 4, 5, and 6, which were these two words of justice and righteousness. And that justice is acting in such a way that leads to righteousness. Righteousness being right relationship. So it's not that it's just a slap on the wrist and saying, try again, but it's saying, no, you're facing whatever this punishment might be because you need to learn how to live rightly with one another. And then we talked about how the ultimate act of justice was the perfect innocent lamb dying on a cross. The world would say that's not fair, but God looks at it and says that is holy justice. That is what needed to happen for, for the relationship to be restored. So today we're going to dive into the final two chapters of this book. Chapter 8 feels pretty similar to the, to the rest, for, to what we've already read. Amos gets another vision of the day of the Lord. The fourth vision in, in Amos, the people have been trampling the needy. What does that mean? They've been seeing them, and they've been purposefully ignoring them. 
running over them, ignoring them. In verse 5, God is critiquing the people for seeing the Sabbath as a punishment and not as a gift. They saw the Sabbath as a waste of time. If their businesses were flourishing and they were making all kinds of money, why take a day off? Why not just be open seven days a week and just make even more money and just keep profiting? Well, they, they didn't see it, but this text is a reminder that Sabbath is a gift. That, that as in the words of Jesus, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And what do we mean by that? It means that we weren't created just to take a day off. We were created... And then God gave us a gift called Sabbath in which we can take the day off and focus in on what God has for us. So so they weren't seeing it as a gift. They were seeing it as a punishment. The people, they were being dishonest. They cheated people out of money. The text says that they raised their prices and they lowered their quantities and used dishonest scales. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) Higher prices, less quantity, dishonest scales. We've seen that in our culture pretty here recently. Then God gives us a glimpse of the day of the Lord once again, saying that everything will be flipped head. The sun will go down at noon, their feasts will turn into mourning, their wardrobes will be changed to sackcloth, and they will be bald. Great. God tells that a famine will come, but not just a famine of food, not just a famine of water, But God says, this will be a famine of hearing my voice. Imagine hearing that from God. Hey, for a while, you're not going to hear from me. What the text doesn't say is that God is not speaking. But it says that there will be a famine of you being able to hear. Hmm. So kind of like I talked about a couple weeks ago. Maybe the ones that were being honest and living for the Lord, they are not partaking in the famine. They're not all punished. But God says, for you, there will be famine from hearing my voice. Verse 14 says that the nations and other gods will fall, and on the day of the Lord there is no rebuilding, no coming back to power. You see, nations in in the Old Testament, their life cycles were like this. It was up and down. They'd be in power, then they'd get overthrown and they'd be back here and then they'd get into power and they'd be overthrown and so anytime they were overthrown it was sad but it was hey we've been here before we can get back to the mountain but what God is saying is that on the day of the Lord it is too late for resurrection but that you will not be able to rebuild then we get to chapter 9 chapter 9 gives us a, a little different message toward the end as I mentioned to the kids It begins with a lot of what we've already heard. A day of judgment is coming, and there's nowhere that we can run from it. The text says that that we can't go to Sheol or to heaven to escape this day. Now, Sheol is just the Hebrew word for being dead. Uh, Don't relate that uh, hand-in-hand with hell. Um, They would have more just saw it as kind of the, the, the state of being dead. So they're saying you can't just die and you can't just escape to heaven to get away from this day. It seems kind of silly to think about to run away or flee from God. But haven't we seen this before? In fact, in the very beginning we saw this with Adam and Eve, right? They hid from God because they were ashamed. They obviously did not succeed. In church, when we believe that we can hide from God, we believe that we can hide from others. 
when guilt is upon you, hiding is never a good option. Running to the one who can forgive and redeem is always a better option than trying to hide. The Lord says that the sinful kingdom is going to be destroyed, but the house of Jacob will not be fully destroyed. There is hope for those that belong to the house of Jacob. There is hope for the people of God who do not fall into the depths of the Edomites. Everyone who feels immune to the judgment of God has another thing coming. Remember, too, that this judgment of God is an act of justice and not an act of pettiness. This is God doing holy justice in pursuit of righteousness with God's good creation. Now, let's get to Scripture. Let's look at, verse, at chapter 9, starting in verse 11. I invite you to stand as we hear the word of the Lord read this morning. Amos chapter 9, we're going to hear verses 11 through 15. In that day, I will restore David's one shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do these things. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills, and I will bring my people Israel back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord, and we can say, thanks be to God. You can be seated. So again, finally, we get a little different message, right? Something a little hopeful. So now I will begin to preach. This will be our final thought process. This is where we're going to end it. This is going to put a bow on Amos. Uh, and if, if you're tired of it, just stick it in your closet when you get home. But there, there's something good here for us. This final section of Amos is critical. It's absolute, absolutely critical understanding why these nine chapters of judgment even exist. We need to see from this announcement of restoration that God does not destroy simply for no reason. It's not as if God has just looked out, saw the immaculate beauty that God made, and said, let's just wipe it out. Let's just be done. Let's just destroy it all. When God is looking at creation in this text, God is extremely flustered. God is upset. As we've talked about, God is heartbroken. God does not destroy because it's entertaining. God did not just sit back during the flood and say, Yeah, drown, all of you. woohoo!" But God was heartbroken. God was heartbroken because God's partner had failed, as we've talked about. God does not destroy because God thinks that the land is a lost cause and nothing good could ever happen here. God destroys when the only way to righteousness is to till up the soil and plant amongst the scarce good seed that remains. God destroys 
when the only way for righteousness to occur is to till up the soil and plant amongst the scarce good seed that remains. As we've been talking about, God is relational and not transactional. When someone does not hold up their end of a transaction, let's say you're selling something on Facebook Marketplace, you meet up in a parking lot somewhere, and the person says, I'm here, but I didn't bring the money. Well, unless you were selling them something for like 50 cents, you'll probably say, okay, well, I'm going home. And you go home with what you brought to the transaction. That's what we can do when we're in a transactional relationship. When someone doesn't do their part in a relational relationship, there's hurt. And in this case, God has massive hurt. But the good news for us today from Amos is the fact that the good seed of the house of Jacob gets to grow. It gets to develop, and it eventually gets to move into the land of the Edomites. You're probably so sick and tired of hearing about the Edomites, but do we remember the Edomites again? The descendants of Esau, the house of Jacob, will still have remains, but the Edomites will be no more. You remember the Edomites that stole our land? Yeah, those guys. We will return back to the land that was taken from us. It will not come from us attacking them. It will not come from us buying back the land. It will only come from the holy response of God who is seeking justice in the world. Then the text tells us that the worker will become the one who gets to experience the fruits of the labor. In a way, that kind of makes sense, but think about it. When you hire a plumber, they come in, they fix whatever issue you're having, whether it be water or a toilet or whatever, but the, the plumber doesn't get to use that toilet that they just fixed. The plumber moves on and goes somewhere else. Think about mechanics. Mechanics get to work on lots of cars. They probably work on cars that are much nicer than theirs. But when they work on that luxury vehicle and they finally get it working again, they don't get to hop in it and enjoy it. They get to call them customers, say it's ready, and they move on to the next one. They're not enjoying the fruits of their work. Your barista, they, they don't get to enjoy the overpriced coffee that they are giving, making for you. They simply make it, and you enjoy it. Hmm. The work that they have done so well will now see vast fruitfulness to the point that they will be able to enjoy it. This reminds me of Matthew chapter 9. Verse 37 says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Church, when the day of the Lord comes, this work that you're doing, this work that we're doing, it will be worth it. It'll all be worth it. What you're doing in your place of ministry, it matters. What you're doing at your job, it matters. What you're doing with your family, it matters. Every piece of clothing that leaves nothing waste matters. Every person that we encounter and encourage matters keep working and keep working hard because the day of the lord is coming we've talked about it for a month now the day of the lord is coming keep working hard for the day is coming where we will see the fruits of our labor and the text tells us that they will produce an overabundance because when God's involved, there's always enough. 
My last thought, final thought of Amos. The very last verse says, I will plant them on their land, and they will never again be uprooted from the land that I have given them. Yahweh, your God, has spoken. Since the beginning, the people God have been uprooted. Adam and Eve are placed in the garden. They messed that up. They had to get out. Later on, the people of God, you know, even when we were in captivity in Egypt, we thought, well, maybe this is home. But then God, has set, God set us free from that. And so then we're free from the Egyptians, and now we're wandering through the wilderness. And after, you know, 35 years of wandering in the wilderness, they, they probably kind of got used to it and said, all right, this is home. We are just wanderers. But then what did God go and do? God gave the promised land. Well, this is home. Well, if you've read any of the Old Testament, you know, that didn't really work out either. We ruined that as well. So then we're not in the promised land anymore. Then what happens? We go back into exile with Babylon. Another new home. We are always on the move. Even Jesus. What happens? Jesus is born, and then Herod says, I want all the, the, the boys that are being born killed. So what does Jesus' family have to do? They got to get out of town. Since the beginning, we've always been on the run. The cycle just goes on and on. I think I've told you this story before, but one of my favorite preachers, Scott Daniels, he tells a story of when he had just accepted a call to pastor a church in California. And uh, they had moved a couple of times, and he had has like three or four kids. And they, they, they get to California, school starts, and one of the first days of school he goes and he picks his son up from school and he they in the car and his son says dad i've decided i don't want to go to heaven and he said i, I didn't want to preach at him but i just kind of looked in the mirror and said son you have no choice <laughs> he said no dad no 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 i i love jesus and i believe in all that he said i just don't want to move again Many of you know that feeling. Some of you have moved 10, 12, 15 times in your life. And just when a place feels like home, or just when you feel like, man, this is, this is where we're going to be till we retire, something happens. And you're uprooted, and you move. Well, how many of you watched Extreme Makeover Home Edition? Do you remember when that show was on? We used to go home on Sunday nights, we'd eat a sandwich, and we'd sit down in front of the TV, and we'd watch Ty Pennington scream for an hour, and they would tear down the house. Well, you'd hear the sob story of the family. They'd tear down the house. They'd send the family on vacation. Uh, the family comes back, and miraculously, they have a brand new home. They show them around the house, and then at the end, normally some wealthy person in the community steps forward with a paper that's supposed to be their mortgage, and they rip it up, and they say, We've taken care of this. This is a gift from your community. And then one of the very last lines in the show, every week, probably the last line, actually, Ty Pennington would look at the family, and he would say, Welcome such and such family. Welcome home. Church, keep up the work. Keep working hard. What you do matters. What we do matters. 
no matter if you're or fixing people's houses or you're working accounts at the hospital or you work in the tag office or you teach or you work in a cafeteria or you're retired and you don't know what to do, what you do matters. Because if we've heard anything from the book of Amos, I hope that we hear this last thought, that the day of the Lord is coming. And if we are of the house of Jacob and we are being faithful, then God is going to look at us and say, welcome home, my family. Welcome home. Kick off your shoes because this is holy ground. And that is the day that we look forward to. That is the day that we can celebrate. Karen, would you come and play for us? We're going to sing. There's a lot that we've gone through today. There's a lot that we've gone through in these last four weeks. I encourage you, now that we've been through it all, go through and read Amos again. Hear it one more time. But church, the day of the Lord is coming. And that's a good thing. But there's work to be done be done and we can't just be done now and sit back and wait for the day we got to keep working there is still work to be done i invite you today you can stay seated you can stand you can come and pray but we're going to sing this old hymn together and then we're going to have a time of prayer but i invite you let's respond to the spirit of the lord in this place today Let's sing together, there is coming a day. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eyes. All is peace forevermore. On that happy golden shore, what a day, glorious day that will be. Sing it out. In what a day that will be, when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace. And when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Let's sing that second verse. There'll be no sorrow there. No more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me, and what a day, glorious day. I'll stand and sing it. In what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, 
the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a day glorious day that will be when you feel like your work doesn't matter i pray that it is a song such as this that reminds you that what you're doing matters that reminds you that yes there's judgment to come there's work to be done but there is coming a day when our Jesus we will see so may these words of Amos be of an encouragement to call us into faithfulness to a God that is so worthy of, of it and is calling us into holy justice at this time, I want to ask if, if you are a student, if you, are any, if you work in the schools doing anything, if you work in the office, if you're a teacher, if you're a sub, if you're in the cafeteria, I invite you to come to the altars. If you're attending school, kids, come on. Uh, I, I would just like our kids to kneel, our, our, our school workers to kneel as school starts this week and for some the following week. I just want us to spend some time in prayer for them as uh, school is such a vital part of our community, so much happens there. We pray for their safety. We pray that, uh, that it would be a meaningful school year for them. So come, come kneel, uh, come kneel, come. Um, and then church, I invite you to come around them, uh, to come and pray and to lift up our students, our teachers, our faculty, all those that, that are here. So church, let's come around them and, and lift them up in prayer. Father, we continue to pray this morning for, for your presence in our schools. God, we pray for our teachers that are present here today, God, that you would bless them as, as they are a blessing to these kids. That, Lord, you would lift their spirits, Lord, as, as teaching has changed and it looks different than it used to, God, help them to know that their everyday work matters. Father, we pray for our kids who are going into school this year, that, that school just, it kind of looks different, and, and after COVID, things are different, and some can be strange, but God, we just, we pray that you would bless this school year for our students, that it would be meaningful, God, that, that we, we recognize that they are the ones who can go and speak freely about you in our schools, and so God, use them as your missionaries. Help us to teach them and prepare them, and God, may you send them out into the schools so that they would be... Um, just lights in a place where you're so desperately needed. God, in the, in the year that we live in, we pray for safety in our school systems. God, we pray for our resource officers and those that are watching over the safety of our kids. God, Lord, that, that we wouldn't see any of these tragic events that are happening in, in our school system. God, that, that, that the enemy would just flee and, and we would recognize, God, that, that you are present and that you would just have your hand of protection over them, whether uh, daycare or college or anything between father we we pray for uh, Sharon especially as she starts a new teaching assignment this year God we lift her to you and ask that this new job would be uh, just meaningful to her and that she would be able to thrive in it God Lord we pray that you continue to be with Dustin and Courtney as they teach in the schools God be with be with Dr. Poff as he continues another year of teaching and and, and uh, at UNG God would you just continue to bless him Lord bless all of our students God, we, we know that it's such a, a crucial time in their lives. But God, today we recognize that, that you are shaping them and that we can hand them over to you and to trust you and to say, God, may your spirit guide and direct them. Lord, we, 
We just want to hear great things about how you're ministering in our schools. We pray for revival in our schools, Lord. I saw it when I was in school, and I believe it can happen. Lord, we pray that that your spirit would just be so ever-present. Father, we thank you for such a great time together today. And we ask, God, that your Holy Spirit that has been with us from the time we walked in this place would go with us now, sending us out to be your light in our community that so desperately needs you. Remind us that is work to be done. Father, we ask all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen, amen. You may go in his grace and peace today. Please do remember that there's a baby shower today, I think right now. So if you're planning on staying, don't forget.